and we are live. Hopefully everyone can hear me. If uh, you can't, let me know in the chat. I would try to boost my volume. I had a couple mic volume issues last week. But welcome everyone to Worthless Crypto Options, episode 20. We're going to be talking Bitcoin and macro stuff. I'm here joined with Berlin. How are you doing, Berlin? Good. Uh, nice market volatility. Not boring these days, that's for sure. No, not at all. And actually, I mean, I was looking at uh, like higher beta stuff like Sol and Doge. Pretty dead there. Um, it's funny. It's actually, I was looking at the, the Bitcoin and the, Sol, uh, and the Doge chart side by side actually i can just put it up on the screen and i was looking at it on obviously like a longer time frame weekly and it's it's funny to see that bitcoin kicks first and like while it's kicking um doge is like completely dead or like rather flat comparatively speaking maybe i need to put it on log so i can actually see it i mean what time what time frame are you on this is weekly do you, do you see my screen? I don't know if I, sh I need to share it with you on Discord, but like this is pretty. Look at Doge and look at BTC side by side, right? Yeah, I have it on a one hour frame, and I have it. Go, if, if I'm if you're in trading view, uh, it the divergence is much more notable on like two and the four, um, or even you go year to date. If I was if I was really trying to do super high beta and I noticed that BTC is kicking, honestly, yeah. the best thing to do is just to all in like something like a Doge. On Doge. Because yeah, look, yeah. There's four weeks when Doge is just completely flat and it hasn't really waken up yet from the bear market. I mean, we had the COVID crash here. I don't know if you're still looking at my screen or if you can even see it. Can't yeah, I can't see it, but so, but I, I do have it up on my own chart. Yep. Okay, but then like. We had that summer spike in July of 2020. Then it's sleeping for until basically, let's call it November 9th of 2020. Meanwhile, BTC's had like five straight weeks up only at the time. Um, but in that five weeks is what I'm trying to get at. Like that's when you should really be positioning for super high beta. Um, we're not. We're probably quarters, if not more than quarters away from doing this but i was just thinking and planning ahead because i do want to get to that at the end of the show berlin and ask you um what your thoughts are on like how to actually start allocating assets because i think that question is going to be coming um, into focus especially at the end of the year um definitely at the beginning of the year of 2023 but the first thing i want to uh well actually i want to ask you is there anything on your radar right now that's popping out at you before we get into like the macro stuff um, I'm still watching a couple names. Is top of my, I actually missed. Uh, I, I had my own trigger set. I was hoping it would retest the June lows, and then I would I would punt a small long there. Um, so we can touch on that on on trade setups later. But the other things that are really on my radar, um, XRP, uh, CHZ, the Chillas, I think. I think Shaggy did a good job. He highlighted that uh, World Cup's coming up, so this one might be in play. Um, kind of feel like we are, we're kind of in the crosswinds between macro land and like the elections coming up and whatnot with uh, 
with the World Cup. So maybe some crossfire there in terms of like flow. Um, and then the other thing that's really bothering me um, and kind of why I'm I'm in the um, I'm in the uh, Fed will continue going camp. Um, I don't even they're definitely most definitely not paying attention to this at a granular level like we are. But uh, Luna Classic is trading at a market cap of currently 2.1 billion, and Luna 2.0, which was the the chain that separated so Terra, uh, Luna Classic or sorry Terra Classic or Luna Classic Lunk, um, is basically a forex market cap, and it, it kind of tells me that it's either being gamed by whales, um, or like this type of degen activity in the same in the same vein of like. You imagine Powell just looking at GME and AMC like top of charts in terms of movers and him being like, oh, yeah, you know, this is definitely not a sign of excess capital. I, I just don't. It doesn't jive for me. Um, and it's also like very odd to see like all of these kind of altcoins rallying and I kind of I'm kind of getting like July, August vibes in terms of like whether or not this is a bear market rally talking about post 930, of course, like. I think this run up on 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, well, we could dive into it, but I, yeah. I think I think yeah, quarterly allocation. Um, yeah, so a bunch of money managers they get money uh, distributed to them, um, both monthly and quarterly, right? So if you're if you're if you work for a U.S. based company or a Canadian based company, you might have money managers managing your four hundred one k and whatnot. They have to deploy capital, so if they're looking at especially like on Friday, when a, such a big rundown and running into close is just bleeding downwards. Um, money managers who are either vol sensitive or who don't have a choice and must stay fully uh, uh, invested all the time, like no cash, must be long only type type firms. Um, they're hitting the bid. I mean, they're 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 buying. They're hitting the ask. I mean, um, they're buying. So, um, yeah, that's 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 where my head's at. Watching a couple things, but. Um, yeah, I think we are coming into that uh, time of the year where you're going to get some money managers who are chasing performance, right? So guys who are subperforming SPY, they're probably going to go into um, the very the, the performing sector, if you will. So they can dress it up, or it's called window dressing, but they can dress up their poor returns by saying by telling their investors, "Well, look, 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 we are now we're now invested in this, right?" And I have a feeling a lot of that money is going to go towards. Uh, ONG and uh, ag agriculture. So, but we can touch on those points in more detail later. That's that's just what I'm looking at at a high level. And I just want to clarify: ONG is oil and gas energy. Not a yeah, bad that's right. Trade this year, people who kind of saw that early on. Um, I certainly was not one of those people, but congrats if you did catch that trade. That narrative really took off. Um, yeah, you don't even need to like you don't even need to go into too name specific, but you can just pick up something in like XLE, and if you look at if you picked it up from the trough, or well, that's you know you don't bottom tick everything, but um like XLE had a had a low um, between July. Uh, actually, you could have picked it up in September. Could have picked it up in September twenty seventh for sixty nine seventy bucks. The thing is trading at eighty two right now, eighty one. And you're fully diversified. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like that's not like necessarily a small move, right? If you're looking, especially if you're talking about uh, BTC, that's kind of 
more or less flopping sideways between this 19 and 21 area and kind of continues bumping head in this 20k area and not really being able to hold since the, the, the 24 or the what did it get up to 23 or 24 back in uh 24. back in uh, august yeah yeah, so it's, it's struggling to make it back there. Um, that kind of goes back to what I've been saying. It's kind of like, can you imagine, a, 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 like, just what the Fed, the Fed governors and the Fed chair is thinking when they're looking at something like this? Um, but then now we're also getting into this interesting area because this, like, you're trying to find a narrative on why we rally and rally so hard, um, and people are just pointing to the BOE. Uh, the Bank of England and the RBA, the the, uh, the Bank of uh, Australia, um, and pointing to them and saying, "Look, pivot, pivot," and the and then pointing back to the Fed, kind of or more like turning around and looking at the Fed with uh, uh, like rubbernecking, if you will, and saying, "Like, are you guys going to do it? Are you guys going to blink?" Dude, honestly, though, trading trad markets is, has been so much more like I think fun this past like summer. Things are just moving at like things are just moving rather than like BTC just kind of flopping around, especially for low time frame people. Um, for a weekly, I mean, like weekly, this at a weekly like level, this is a good place to be putting some chips on the table, right? At least in my opinion. Um, I've certain I was actually doing some math on my BTC um, dollar cost average uh, project plan that I kind of set forth starting in May and I hit I was just doing some math I think my average right now for BTC is around like 21,000 US dollars and I started in May like when BTC was 30k I thought I thought we were going to have a, a bear market bounce like right here <laughs> at 30k without knowing that little did I know we were going to just drop into the 20s um, yeah but hey, that's worth highlighting here. It's worth it's worth highlighting um, that that drop that you did not anticipate. It, it, whether or not that is the bottom for the cycle, that's anyone's guess. And I, I'd caution anyone who's listening. If you guys are listening to other folks, which you should, we I speak for myself, but I'm a I'm a complete clown and an idiot. So if you <laughs> listen to me, you might very well make uh, mistakes, just like I do. Um, but I want to say that that, that that June event, that May and June event was driven, was further exacerbated by uh, 3AC Celsius and the unwinding of that Luna trade, right? So um, that whether or not that is, that proves to be the bottom, uh, we won't know. But I want to say that same leverage is, is, has been cleaned out already. So to get another waterfall down like that would need retail participation in terms of capitulation. Um, and I don't think we've really seen that yet. If anything, actually, these past... So I think we have, right? Doesn't there some stat recently this past uh, two weeks that, like, September or the retail last exiting. three weeks, yeah, was, yeah. like, one of the largest retail exits um, since the COVID crash, I think? Or I, I forgot what yeah. they dated it back to. Also, yeah, no, you're right. Mark yeah, March like, 2020. Mark is super hedged, right? If, if the market would... If, if, Equities were to, to fall right now. I feel like everyone's going to be perfectly fine, which is why it didn't. And it did a, a full, yeah, now your, your long puts are worthless kind of thing that if you uh, position. Yeah, exactly. And those long puts, as they um, 
as spot price moves against you, if you're long puts for shelter, I mean, for insurance, or even for, for, for alpha, right? If you're long puts and spot is continuously pulling north, um, you're, burning, you're burning value. And that burnt value continues to feed spot. This kind of goes back into those, the, the, the change in gamma and the change in, in vanna. Uh, but like, I, I'm looking at, at this from an even simpler perspective. Um, it, it just really boiled down. If, if SPY can continue to hold above all of these COVID levels and we're not even in recession yet, or we're, it's not even confirmed, right? The question really becomes, does, can the US be the only country or the only nation that has a soft landing? Like you look at what's happening in the UK, Look what's happening in uh, in Japan. Those folks cost a living uh, just just mooned by thirty percent, right? If you look at it from a purchasing power perspective versus dollar parity, not dollar parity, sorry, USD purchasing power versus JPY or USD versus GBP, um, they are paying. You can just assuming assuming the energy costs to translate right one to one is kind of like uh, arbing against FX and, and your and your personal consumption bill. Um, <clears throat> They're paying some 30% in Japan. I think this works. Japan's year to date, like JPY is down. Actually, I think they're both in the neighborhood of 30s. GBP might be at 25 or 20%. You know and Euro is probably the, like. The Swiss yeah. franc. Have you seen that? That's true. CHF? Yes. I'm going yeah. to pull it up. That is traditionally a pretty strong currency against the dollar. And we're just about at par, dude. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, that speaks. I think there's some crosshairs here too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I remember this thing being like in the uh, yeah, in the, around the, the tens. Like we lose Americans would lose like ten cents whenever. And now I I haven't checked this chart in forever, but someone told me to check this recently, and I'm like, wow, we're right about there. Yeah. Yeah, if you're so if you're viewing this in uh, so I can't see your screen, dude. But if are you viewing this in USD CHF or the other way? Mm, CHF uh, USD. Okay, okay. Um, so there's a couple of things that are uh, that affect this, right? Swiss, the Swiss National Bank is probably undoubtedly one of the best in terms of um, performance and like assets, uh, and they own a tremendous amount of U.S. equities. So like. They are pretty much able to, and they also have like a positive savings rate versus like a country like ours. Um, so you can think of them as kind of a hybrid between like Japan in terms of having a high savings rate per capita or dollars saved per capita. Um, and then the other thing you can think about is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that because they've managed their, they've essentially traded their central bank or like they act as hedge funds uh, or a hedge fund. So they're more or less macro traders, um, and they've been clipping alpha like left and right, building capital, uh, uh, building savings per capita. Um, but what's happening now is the question is, does the Swiss National Bank, do they need to sell down assets to maintain purchasing power? That's the current question that all of these central banks are grappling with, and that's why the BOE did an about face. Um, super interesting, because if... You, you, you might find if CHF or uh, if it approaches parity, um, you might see a down a downswing in um, in in equities and in and now this correlated to BTC. We don't know exactly how those flows work, but directionally um, they're similar. Magnitude is the question, right? 
that's very well what's happening. I think I think if we get another, if you see Dixie squeeze again, um, and kind of Dixie, yeah, you think, think so? I, I, don't I don't think, think I don't think Dixie's done. Yeah, me neither. At all, dude. Um, I yeah. There's, and the only reason is because I don't see any bullish reasons for any of the other things that are in the Dix- the Dixie basket. That's really the yeah. only reason. Like, it's not that I'm particularly have a strong bullish like fundamental um case for american the greenback it's just that everything in that basket against the greenback i'm like wait is there any reason to be particularly super bullish that i and i haven't really found out yet um if anyone yeah is is on the other side of that please let me know um i'm very i think wonka 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 was calling for uh a potential U-turn in pound sterling GBP. Um, I'm not necessarily against that. I think I think Brexit and we can avoid getting as political as possible. I think that's that's probably best. Um, but these are events, right? And whether you're pro Brexit or anti, uh, I'm not really adding. I'm not speaking to that. I'm just what I'm what I'm saying is Brexit is affording the BOE this type of flexibility and watching like the pound just take a note take an absolute beating right that is the the dam if you will or that's kind of like the control valve for um excess value or, or in this in this instance is actually destruction of value right so um but let's get back to this other point that you were kind of hinting at ear- earlier um or just now rather um this what's happening uh globally we have so we have other countries are, are essentially taking on an undue burden, or you can call it like non-egalitarian. It's not fair because if you view it from a U.S.-centric perspective or like a person in the U.S., their burden of a higher uh, expenses on their out of their uh, total revenue stream or whatever, right? So say like you make, let's say you make like, I don't know, uh, 10 grand a month, right? Just round numbers. And your, cha- your annual change in inflation jumped by let's call it uh the eight percent right so your your bill um is is greater by like let's call it 800 bucks right what's happening that what's what the fed is and the treasury department are effectively doing is we are exporting that inflation via the, the the strength in the usd right other countries um other if you are let's say you're from russia or from australia uh when when you go to work, you get paid in, in rubles, you get paid in Aussie dollars, but your living, your cost of living is so is so financialized that it's actually being affected by currency. So you might very well be, be earning in X, but what you're paying is denominated in Y. It's complete mismatch, right? So like your earning power uh, dictates how you can live. But your costs also dictate how you can live, what you can afford, right? Yeah. And those costs are denominated in beyond your control. In my mind, I'm like, yeah. In my mind, I'm like, and I don't know if that was a great, good. You, you can, you can maybe have a better analogy. I know real um, but, examples of, of that. I'll say it after you finish, though. Right, right. So I, I'm just, I'm just beginning to wonder. And like you and I were both traveling in, in, in much of August and, and July, so we have real world encounters of this. But my ultimate question is, I don't know how many folks out there understand how how this global financialization is affecting them on a day to day. It might be just like us 
I mean, uh, not not bragging, but clearly, you know, being just being born in the U.S. already gives you puts you being born in the U.S., being born in Canada, being born in Europe kind of gives you a leg up in terms of like uh, understanding, right, of of uh, global economics and, and and trade flows, whatever. Um, where in Europe, though? Depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. In some yeah. places that don't bat an eye at this stuff. Um, but, <laughs> dude, there are people that are living in other places of the world that are swapping to USD, man, as a hedge. Uh, and I think it's not a bad idea to do for the next, let's call it three to six months-ish. But um, it is the reality of the Dixie. And like, here's the thing with Dixie and how it relates to Bitcoin. If, if dollars are in demand, there's not going to be a demand for Bitcoin. That's just like what we've seen, the relationship inception of, of Bitcoin. So I'll say that again for people watching. If there is strong dollar demand, we've not seen like a, uh-oh, that's my alert for my BTC trade. Heading in the direction I don't want it to head to. Um, but anyways, like there is, what is it at, 19,975? Something happened or something? Yeah. Spy just took a little dippy too. Um, yeah, yeah, nothing, what, what nothing was, crazy though. What I was saying is like, yeah, there hasn't been a regime on a on a long time frame where the dollar goes up and Bitcoin goes up simultaneously. I think though, um, there is a possibility of that if like things seriously break, like maybe really, really later on though. For now, they're inverse inversely related. Berlin, I sent you a chart of SPY, um, well, SPX, and the GFC in 08, that was a 55% drawdown that took 537 days to materialize. The COVID crash was a 35% drawdown, just about, which took 35 days to fully materialize. Mm -hmm. um, we had a taper tantrum, I think. Was that the taper tantrum? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, 2018. Was it 2018, September, fall? forgot. Yeah, there was two taper tantrums. The first one was in 13, and then the second, the more the more severe one was in 18. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but here's the and, interesting thing. Oh, sorry, what are you saying? Fed pivoted in Q4, like December of uh, 18, and then market rocketed in January of 19. If uh, there's continuing what your, your, your thought was. But, um... Yeah, why don't you finish your thought? I have. I want to expand on something we were just talking about, and then uh, I can respond to what you have to say here. Okay. Well, according to this, um, it took one and a half years to bottom out for the GFC. We are currently at um, just shy of of one year here. Um, three more months, we can call it the top. November, actually, equities topped in December of 21. Crypto topped in November of 2021. Um, but anyway, let's just call it end of end of 2021 was the, the top. So we're just about to come up on the full year. So maybe, <laughs> just maybe, if we're in equal shape as the GFC, which is totally different because you know that was subprime mortgages and way way different types of macro it's just like irresponsible lending practices whereas this is more we have we're coming towards the end of a debt cycle as ray dalio would like to say 
um, there's a instead of globalization, we're we're having we're seeing less cooperation um, across nations. Financial situation is getting tighter. The dollar is just blowing every other currency out of the water, um, making things harder in other places that are not America. So, I mean, is it safe to say maybe we can really perhaps see the end of the tunnel in, say, six to nine months? Like, would you put us on equal scale of the GFC? Or are we in a situation? Okay, so that's a good, that's a great question. I think, I think when you pair it against the GFC, we are, um, the, the driver is different. And I would say that this time it's actually more pervasive and, and, and spread out. So you could think of it as well, if it's dollars at risk spread out, it's lower risk. But I think it's actually more systemic because when you see things like uh, there, there's there, there are apps or there, there's there's companies that like help people buy homes with like one percent down, um, and these guys are max bidding all of 2020 and 2021, um, assisting barely eligible buyers. So, uh, in short, what I'm saying is, even though subprime um, lending was cleaned up post 08, there are different. It's taking on a different shape. It's taking on these. There are things crawling about that won't surface yet until people actually capitulate. And when I say capitulate, I'm not talking about, let me go sell some spy and balance out my, my accounts. I'm talking about, oh my God, I can't make this payment. I have to sell the house and the house is below. I'm, I'm minus 20% mark to market because all I did was put in 1% of equity. So now I'm selling the house and I owe the bank. I'm selling the house for less and I owe the bank the difference. That is still very alive and well. We haven't seen that shoe drop yet. Um, but I want to. I want to draw. I want. I want to go back to what you were just saying. Um, and you're, you're comparing uh, the the length or the the duration of these drawdowns from from peak to trough um, in relation to to time. What I find difficult to do this time about when you're when you're trying to like compare snippets in time is that we have almost every element of bad all rolled into this one year. What do I mean by that? So excess liquidity is going to find uh, like home, right? It's, it's going to find a pocket. Uh, if and it turns out excess liquidity, if you're in cash year to date, you would have outperformed any asset that, 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 that the liquidity would have found, right? Um, but what I'm saying, what my point is, is this, this current valuation matches uh in, in terms of peaking matches what uh may, maybe it doesn't overshoot like like we did in terms of the dot-com bubble in 01 and 2000 um but it surely did if you, if you overlay a chart between nasdaq 100 between like call it 98 and 01 or 02 and you marry that against the btc chart between uh call it 19 and 2021 right 2021 uh you'll see that that giant mountain of uh, that, of that climb uh, is very similar, and that is only one perspective. One that's only one perspective in terms of like inflated value, right? Um, and the other thing would be uh, kind of the spread in in uh, cost of living being spread out over everybody. That wasn't the case in two thousand two thousand one. The people who got hurt the most 
were the people who were either either overlevered or 100% concentration in tech, right? So no diversification. But this time, everybody is hurting. Everybody. The exception might be energy, the energy bros, but I would argue that um, uh, they've paid their price uh, several years back when energy, when Owen she was going through um, uh, a lot of pain back in 14, 15, and 16. Uh, they've paid their price, and now that it's become a it's a commodity that's not like it's not a commodity you buy for fun. It's a commodity you use to live. It's it's alongside food, right? If you don't have oil, natural gas, you're sitting cold. Your family, your kids, your dogs are are, are catching colds and whatnot, right? So it's it's a necessity. Um, whereas like, what are you going to do with uh, what are you going to do with your NFT when 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 outside weather drops twenty degrees? I take it. You're going to right? Yeah, well, I'm sure you should stop this conversation immediately before we lose all our followers. <laughs> let me let me take a step back. I actually, know. I want to expand on your your previous I, I point actually, um, before I, I lose you. One thing. I want to say one thing. Yeah, NFT yeah, yeah. Crowd, I think like this is a serious conversation um, that isn't talked about enough. The NFT, it's a market. Okay, it's tradable. But I had friends who were counting their net worth in terms of NFTs. Uh, and their floor prices, and and this is significant amount. It's not a small sum of money. They're, we're talking about millions of dollars, and in a snap of a finger, a Thanos snap of a finger, they literally got cut by in half by seventy percent by eight, some. It's it was it was pretty devastating for some of my friends that, and I and. Remember, I was not super into NFTs. I, I got a couple of them. I literally bought the top of art blocks. I think I, I, it was my first piece of art that I bought for $40,000. I remember this very well, Geometry Runners. And that thing went from like $40,000 to $1,000 faster than I can like <laughs> faster than I can log into my MetaMask, dude. So for the people that are actually holding NFTs, I just want to – this is just a PSA. This is why I stopped, stopped you, Berlin. Um, and I've said this in the Discord, this market, when the bid is gone, it is truly gone. And I've said this even before, like, uh, OpenSea volumes went down to, like, what is it, down 99%, whatever that uh, headline was the other day. Um, mm-hmm. It goes, man. It's not like it's not like equities. It's not like Bitcoin. It's not like Ethereum. Um, certainly not like... Uh, it, it's almost like real estate. Like when the bid goes away, it goes away quite quickly because that no one's gonna pay yeah. this. You know, the house was literally five hundred thousand dollars two years ago. Why are you trying to make make it seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? You know, five years later, nothing has changed from the NFT. Nothing has changed from the house. Um, I will say the one thing that crypto preserves that TradFi doesn't is is price discovery. Right? We have all these freaking circuit breakers and whatnot on. Uh, NYSC and NASDAQ, um, but on OpenSea, guess what? That f- I also find it deceptive that they call it a floor price. If that's a floor price, guess what? There's a basement price, Wonderland and it's through time, the basement now. Wonderland Time had a, had a floor price. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's a, move, it's a moving floor. So did Ohm, bro. So did Ohm. <laughs> I mean, dude, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. just, uh. I, I do want to maybe like touch on like this because we're talking about floors. Um, What's that I floor forgot if it was the, the floor in SPX. 
<laughs> the floor is. Did you see the? Well, that's the question, right? If you're asking about the floor, it's where the it's where the Fed put would be, right? I, I if I were to ask me right now, it's probably like max pain is probably like three thousand, just a flat, nice round number. I can't believe you just said that, Berlin, because I just revised where I have like my little circle thing. Um, yeah. In the summer, or I think it was like September, I think I like told us, told everyone like we're heading like three, three six, three, three, three fifty. Now I think pico bottom is around like three twenty to like three hundred. Um, three twenty. <clears throat> I'm gonna say three twenty to like two eighty. That is when things, something has probably broke or is in the process of breaking. Um, I think Powell. 280, uh, 280 to, three, to 320 is what you're saying? 2800 to 330. I'm pretty highly yeah. convicted of this. I don't know why. Um, it's just like the pace at which things are going in terms of <laughs> the inflation. We're going to have an earnings season. I think I think this is a very important earnings season to pay attention to. It's literally in October. Um, we already saw Tesla, right? Um, Tesla had some insane cryptocurrency like moves because they have a demand problem they're not selling enough cars and also i think they made like one or two new factories right so like what the what are they doing um i think yeah yeah deep trouble um i was just talking about tesla yeah we're flip-flopping everywhere but i i want to i want to consolidate and go back to this point about uh spx because i feel like if you if you're just uh take a snippet of this in time and compare us to where you think we are we're technically if you view it uh, spx uh, spot now 37.57 the top from covid uh where the top uh, uh preceding covid but after the news came out was 33 33.8 uh 3380 let's call it 33.80 we are 400 points above that which is telling you, which is, you know, and we can strip out whether it's uh, a growth versus a higher cost of living, right? Because that, that would be both contributors or inflation adjust SPX. Um, do you feel like we're better than where we were in February of 2020? That's a straight, straight question. I mean, you don't, you don't have to answer that, but that, that, that's how I view it. Just, that's what the charts are saying. Current price, we are priced better. Our economy is doing better now than it was in February of 2020. Now that's, that's that the February 2020, I have to recall that predates the complete lockdown of the world, right? The global, global shutdown. So I, I, in my, in my opinion, do we go back to the lows of like 2200 um, from COVID because we had this uh, very, like uh, the gears essentially stopped turning in the world, right? I don't think we're gonna necessarily go there, um, but for us to be done with this cycle, before we even go back to the past peak, I don't see how, I don't understand, I just, it's very possible, and maybe that's that's where the soft landing narrative uh, finds its finds its place, right? Um, I don't, I can't speculate too much on that. But I wanna go back to the point earlier that I wanted to expand on, um, in terms of what the Fed and what monetary policy is doing and how it interlinks with Treasury. So I, I feel like, I feel like it may, it's maybe not spoke, uh, talked about very often, um, especially and definitely not in our in our in in, in your Discord. Um, but what I feel like the Fed is effectively doing right now is when you're when you're flexing USD on the world, right? Um, you are you are wandering beyond uh, just like uh, dollar dynamics. You are wandering into a 
political a political game theory here. Uh, and my question is, essentially, how long can they, if, if we want to angle when Fed pivot, right? When do, when do they blink? Um, how about another, another, I'll phrase it a different way. When does the rest of the world give up on the U.S. dollar? What if they just like, what if we're just alienating people throughout this entire process in the same way that like Putin perceives us now, right? And Putin and Xi have seen this coming. So they've been They've been shoring up on gold. They've been shoring up on resources like Putin's been doing, right? Um, and guess what? That's worth something. That's not, and that I don't need to pay you in U.S. dollar. Someone will pay me for oil because guess what? Oil is a necessity. Um, so uh, that's that's one. That's half the question, right? How far can we go before other things start breaking? Like a bit and pound, uh, the gilt, the gilt market completely wrecked. They're looking at pensions that are cut in half. That's people. You are creating people. And that that's kind of goes back to my first question. I don't know how many people out there are aware that their lives are so interconnected with this with this dollar strength and the dollar being a reigning king. I don't know if they even understand that. So if they don't, then there is no animosity geared back towards the U.S., right? But it just kind of like goes back to the, the, my point earlier. You and I were traveling throughout the summer. I'm seeing people, I'm seeing bills, it, it, like friends in, in Italy and, and Spain with the power bills that are up 40%. That's not no 8%. That's not 8% CPI no, change year my, over year. That's 40 in, freaking percent. My friend in Barcelona is up like 8x year over year, actually. A multiple. That's and, freaking wild. That's and, and that's wild. They, they pay by the hour. It looks like a chart. I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, they have a, like literally electricity surge pricing during the summertime. So like around 12 to 2 or like around even 11 a.m. when it starts getting hot, you can see that yeah. it looks like a cryptocurrency moving around, man. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, dude. Um, All right. Sorry. I want to tie this back. I know I'm kind of I'm, I'm going long here. I want to tie this back in, into why I think we are in this struggle market. And I want to go I, I will properly answer your question about where I see us in six to nine months and why it's so uncertain. And why it's different from 08 and 01, um, you know, not that we were actively trading target. markets. Tell us price target. Yeah. I think that would be so let's let, let let me let me make it actually even more complex and add another uh, nuance into this. The reason I think that it's very hard to talk about what's happening, what's going to happen over the next six months, is there's a new competitor in town, and it's fixed income. Now, normal folks, right? Like, let's call it post boomers. Everyone who's uh, and post Gen X actually. Anyone who's a millennial and younger, um, you're probably not very long bonds, not very long savings accounts, not long CDs. Guess what? CDs, I'm looking at Fidelity right now. Uh, CDs are paying, some CDs are paying 4.8 for one year. 4.8%. You remember what Celsius was paying before it imploded? It was paying 8%, 9% on USDC. You have effectively, the government, the US government has effectively steered and recreated um, uh, a risk-free yield, right? The same way that Mashinsky was selling his product risk-free yield. This is truly risk-free, especially if you buy something that's FDIC insured, right? Because it's US dollar denominated. If, if anything, the, the Fed can, can tilt this back and do like an operation twist and destroy your purchasing power, right? We're talking going back to FX now. So jumping from rates to FX, but they're interconnected. Um, and they'll, 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 they'll steal your, your value in that way, right? But what I'm saying right now is, do I think SPX and SPY and NASDAQ just rockets back up to all-time high uh, once Fed pivots? 
That is the question. I'm not sure because people now have an option. If I have a, a thousand bucks, I can get a risk-free $40, $45, and the Kager or the, 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 the annual return going back 40 years for S&P is only 8%. Am I really going to stick my neck out there for an extra 4% that all this equity risk where you see all the volatility in the VIX um, jumping up and down? I mean, it still hasn't really like overshot 30 Vic on the, on the VIX. Um, which would be a, a, a kind of a sign, which actually adds to my thesis on like when we would capitulate. But professor, like you hear what I'm saying, right? Like the, the, the calculus on someone's disposable income is now different or savings income or, 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 or whatever they're going to allocate to savings and investment is now a fundamentally different question than it was um, last year and compared to 08, right? 08, we're, we're still zero bound and we're, we were more zero bound for the next following 10 years. And in 2020, uh, we were actually at zero, right? We're at zero for arguably oh, way too long, but now we're not at zero and you can have risk-free return. Um, so my question really goes back to, or, or my, my answer to your question is six months from now, maybe, maybe treasuries are still around this level. Um, if not, maybe a little bit more down based on like lower growth expectations. But does that mean SPY and SPX is back? I don't know. I don't. Uh, that's kind of like, if I was an investor, I'd be sp splitting my flows, right? Why would I go 100% SPY? Why do I need to sit out there on a risk curve when I'm getting a risk-free 4% that wasn't existent two years ago? And these are legitimate questions, by the way. Whoever's listening, like we, I don't pers you know, I, I can't, I don't want to get into who I am and, and what I do, but like, these are the questions that uh, the, the multi-hundred billion dollar funds are, are asking. Um, that's exactly what I talk about at work. That's exactly what, what we were strategizing over in terms of allocation and uh, kind of like curve fitting for client returns. These are the questions the clients care about. Um, like, sir, Berlin, why do I need to doge exposure with this uh, 10 vol uh, and the risk of like, if, if, if Elon doesn't, doesn't pump me in time, I have no return. But over here, if I park, you know, 90% of my capital in this risk-free return, I could be looking at something out like if I'm paying 100 today value future-wise, is it going to be 105? I'd rather have that 5% in my pocket today than risk principal movement. I, I think that's the difficulty. And that's why we're kind of going sideways right now um, across multiple, multiple assets. Sorry, I was rambling a little bit, but yeah. just trying to deliver all my – it's like a lot of thoughts. A, There's it, a lot of – It's truly a yeah. lot to uh, absorb, especially if you are looking at this – not at the five-minute time frame, as I know mo most of my colleagues in here are looking at. Um, it's fun to trade, obviously, the, the five-minute time frames if you have the stomach and appetite for that, risk appetite. Um, but on the, on the grand scheme of things, like the big picture is, is a little – um, unstable. I'm, I have a brewing thesis, and this might be interesting for anyone on the on the stream right now thinking about like when do we when is when is the coast clear? Um, so after uh, well, you said something earlier on the stream. Is the U.S. the only place that can technically have a soft landing? I, I think we're beyond the uh, the soft landing. So to speak, I, I'm kind of really convinced that we're going to be pushed into a recession. I think at the very last moment, though, Powell might try to 
flip it, flip uh, flip his um his game up, and we'll we'll just call it a pivot, right? Um, to try to avoid it. But when his radars are really flashing red all over, I think he will try to flip at the last at the very last moment. He's gonna push this thing until something breaks internally in the U.S. Yes, things are probably starting to crack, um, as we've seen in um, Britain. Uh, their currency, I think, literally, it, that thing actually looked like uh, Doge <laughs> at one point. Um, like, but and I, I don't know why people are arguing against the recession. Um, like, I, I really don't know why. I, I just made a Twitter thread on this. It's just like the inflation um, concerns. I had. I remember when people were saying that there's not going to be inflation um, in 2020. I was literally arguing on on TikTok with people, and literally I was gonna. It's part of the reason why I'm not on that app anymore because the people on there are just so toxic, and a lot of them don't know really what they're talking about. They can't speak to it like with, you know, credibility. I would say. I mean, I don't have credibility either. I'm just an anonymous person online, but I think PNL speaks for itself. What I'm saying is, just like how people are saying, no, there's not going to be inflation. Um. I mean, I was pretty pro-inflation um, for the most part. I don't know why people are saying that there's not going to be a recession. This is the direction that like this, our central banks are literally pushing us towards. Whether or not they like it or not, whether or not it's intentional, I'm not going to say anything about that. Just look at the direction of the way things are heading, right? Productivity, demand, right? Things are all over the place. Um, and for for good reason right because we're we have to fight this inflation problem that we have but what i'm saying at the end of this is there's going to be a point though when something is on the verge of breaking or about to break and that's why i've, I've included this line here just around 320 spy um i don't know i've been sp i spent the summer thinking about what is actually the thing that's going to break i don't know exactly what that is um, th this past weekend, I don't know if you kept up with the Credit Suisse, um, and I think it was also BlackRock that people were talking about, <laughs> like they were going to like ex blow up or, or, or get like liquidated or something. I, I wasn't really following it because I wasn't on uh, Twitter this too much this past, past weekend. I just know that it was part of the narrative. And then, you know, Monday open, I mean, this week, <laughs> it just kind of like didn't happen at all. Um, I don't know what it is that's going to be the breaking point, but one thing I do know for sure is we're not there yet, and oh, Powell hasn't seen it yet, at least. So he's going to keep pressing this thing. But um, this is why I kind of showed you that SPX chart before. Like, global financial crisis uh, took, what was it, 530 days? It was like about 1.48 years, so a year and a half, let's call it. We are just coming up on one year at the end of 2022. It'll be one year. So midway through 2023, if if history is a reference point, um, if we are on a similar scale as the position that we were in in 2008, which I, I feel like it's actually a little more grave, but I'm also betting a little bit on this turn, this pivot. Not now, um, but perhaps in 2023. I'm hoping for that, at least. That's my thesis. Um, it's kind of got some cracks in it. It's not fully thought out yet, but uh, I just want to put my thoughts out there.
All right, final 10 minutes. Yeah, we're also, we're coming, we're like cyclically trading, like, or, or I should call it like more tactical trading. Um, I'm not saying that there's no alpha out there, uh, by the way. I don't want to make it sound all doom and gloom. You, you, you could be taking long positions and positions, um, and you can still be making money in this market. Uh, it's not like, it'd, it'd be absolutely terrible if all correlations both one. And there was no divergence that you can take advantage of. That would be much worse. You sound market. super robotic to me. I don't know if it sounds robotic to anyone else on the stream, but I barely made that out. Are you on like the iPod, I, uh, AirPods or something? Uh, yeah, I had my headphones in. I had my headphones in. This is better. AirPods is really bad. Okay. This is better. Luckily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, I was just saying this isn't necessarily a market where there's no, um, alpha to be had. If you want to identify, like, um, like you can still use a lot of support resistance for, for entries and exits, but, uh, just longer term wise, it's still that level of uncertainty is hovering. Um, and the calendar, the forward calendar for like the next month is pretty loaded uh, we don't have another giant expiration coming up, but, uh, First week of November is going to be pretty spicy. We have FOMC, and then I believe, I think it's November 8th are the midterms. And I can hear red wave versus blue wave. I honestly have no idea which way that's going to land, but it will have an impact on policy going forward. And then we can come back into energy and like this whole SPR like drainage. Um, we do have some runway on it. I feel like people misunderstand the consumption or the the... The utilization of SPR, I mean, it's clearly misused right now in terms of like, is this, does this qualify as an emergency? Who knows? That's really TBD. But um, I'd be surprised if like we don't, if the, if the White House doesn't find some way to refill it by using some kind of like locked price um, because there's no guarantee uh, w with the exception, unless the recession is near guarantee and we have complete demand destruction, we have unemployment rocket back up to like five, six, seven, eight percent. Um there's nothing stopping oil. You know, if OPEC OPEC plus says we're done, we're 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 cutting, we're cutting into the face of inflation, guess what? Fed now now Powell's like, guess what guys, I can keep my foot on the pedal and keep the gas going, pun intended, right? Um so a lot of crossfire right now, very tough to weed through, but doesn't mean that there's no trades available. No. Yeah. I think well, we're in the first week of a new quarter, winding down the week, and had a very strong, like, piercing kind of price action, actually, for both equities and crypto, I would say. Um, I, I, I feel like, though, positioning-wise, at 20k, um, this is, like, kind of where you almost have to bid just out of protocol right uh my average right now is like around 21k btc after the last five months i am oh i should let you know i should let you know my updated uh portfolio i'm just about 60 percent cash and 40 percent exposed now i deployed like 15 percent uh, just around i think i was shy in august a little bit um 15 over the last five months three percent a month um, and that's uh, into BTC, ETH, Avox, and Solana. I'm I'm happy because um, three out of four of these coins 
they have uh, options on them and you can trade on Deribit to kind of collect the yield while you hold the assets and take on the risk of holding the assets you can still generate um, relatively passive income by shorting out of the money puts or out of the money calls so <clears throat> I haven't really decided yet for this quarter um, what to do in terms of like continuation of the DCA or really wait until um, things are a little bit more clear in 2023 um, but that's that's the balance right like if you wait until things are a little more clear you might have missed the boat um, but here's one thing I am comfortable in saying I am comfortable with my exposure I don't feel like as naked um, with 40% deployed but obviously when things are kicking I want to make that cash like way lower than 60%. Do you have a portfolio update that's a significant share? If not, then you don't have to. Uh, yeah, I'll just break it down between equities and crypto. Crypto, I'm still about like 80% uh, liquid, uh, just sitting in USDT and USDC. Um, equities, I'm up closer to like 50%. I have a core long portfolio that's just comprised of like uh, the VTI, SPY, and then my my DGen, my DGen component, which is just max long TQQ. Um, if anyone's interested, I'm following. I basically, have like 25 to 30 percent of my my retirement portfolio or my equities portfolio carved out for um the strategy that is called uh I think it's hedge fund hedge fundies or hedgy funds excellent adventures, which is a leverage play over a long time period. This might very well implode. So like. If you're listening to this and you decide to put this on, you might lose all your money. Uh, so don't, you know, like don't you take this. Lose, um, you might go to zero. That's what. You yeah, say. it might literally go to zero. So like, I have, I have like a couple. Uh, let's see. Oh wow, I'm over. I have like 1,200 shares worth of TQQ, and my average price is like low 40s now. Um, so I've been. This has been the most, the highest beta, right? Obviously, TQQ is triple, is triple uh, levered on Qs. Um, and what I've been doing is effectively um, when IV, when implied vol on the options, just like go to like the 95th percentile. So meaning like it's really high in relevance to history and relevance to uh, in relation to historical vol. Uh, I would I would just sell um, I would sell a put with probably I know Tasty Trade prefers like 30 to 50 DTE. I feel like we're in a macro environment that's so uncertain. I'm actually I'm completely fine selling 90, so about three months worth of time. Um, and what I've been doing is like when I sell it, um, when I sell the put, I, sometimes I actually just monetize it back when we have a big rally, like we did. We did we rallied hard on Tuesday, and I sold these puts um, last Thursday and Friday, and I'm up like 30% on them. So I just take that cash back, right? So it's I'm reclaiming my collateral um, from the short put uh, margin, right? Margin uh, what I'm putting down. Um, and then on the other side, I'm just carving around these from an options perspective. When this thing was rocketing, um, when market all risk assets were full on back in August, and then we had another mini blip in September, I was just max shorting calls against my long deltas. So I've, I've weaned off of a lot of them already while we cratered. Um, so I'm just carving myself like, additional premium around the core long um but again i'm still about 50 percent uh, i'm only 50 percent deployed within within these accounts mm -hmm. okay that was a good update uh 
thank you for that. I'm going to end it with this. So BTC, I have a my largest position right now. It's actually a futures trade. I don't really trade futures. We're hovering around right where my entry point is, like $20,030. My TP1 is 21.5K, which is the first yellow dotted um, line here. My TP2, so I'll take off like probably 60% of the position here if it gets here. Um, and then my TP2 is going to be at just around 22.5K. I don't know why I put this here. It should be 22.5K. Um, and I'll probably take about 20% of the position there. So then I'll have the rest 20% uh, to kind of roam up up here. My stop loss is like, I, I was at 19, it was at 19.5K. I kind of moved it down to 19.4 just in case it got like wicked out because there's so much OI built up. Um, over this past week, I think it's because quarterly, new quarter, so people are taking new positions um, for, you know, not not for minutes, but rather for weeks and perhaps months, especially if uh, it goes in the right direction for those uh, funds that deployed early on in October for the new quarter. Um, I, I'm not highly convicted either way. I leaned, I was actually, I had a strangle on. Um, so for those of you who don't know what a strangle is for options, you're longing both a call and a put, and then you can technically cut. You can cut the side that's losing, and then let that side that's winning kind of run. So I cut the put side when uh, the market showed its hand early in October. Um, so I have, I still have calls on uh, for BTC. I think it was 24k by end of October. Um, if I see, you know, 22k like next week, um, I might start trimming that position down too. But uh, that is really it. I have nothing else left to add. Berlin, do you have any final comments? Mm, no, um, not not necessarily. Happy to take any questions, you know, in the in the in the chat, um, in the Discord uh, later, or you know, um, but nothing else really top of mind. If if I, I have like a bunch of pear trees, when you mentioned when you threw out the word strangle, um, I do have a bunch of pear trees kind of in mind. Um, that that pair against multi, multiple assets or, or different different sectors. Um, primarily, if I'm if I'm like looking to long additional deltas into like uh, my TQQ per se, um, I, I I've been marrying those against long energy as well. So like um, that that's how I've been thinking about things very very in a very hedge oriented way. Uh, where I'm like if I, I don't want to put out a dollar that has a hundred percent loss. Or like a hundred percent at risk, if you will. Um, yeah. So that's 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 really all I have to add. Okay. Cool. Um, then we are gonna end it here for Worthless Crypto Options episode twenty. Thank you all for tuning in live. I wish I had a gift to give you, but I have nothing to offer. <laughs> um, Maybe one day when uh, we get like sponsors or something, we can just like give like out NFTs and stuff. But that day has yet to come. Maybe in the bull market. Um, I have actually been getting like emails from potential partnerships, but uh, I really haven't really put a lot of effort into. We, 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 Berlin, we really should get this thing sponsored somehow because um, I'll talk to you guys, talked about that offline, but it could be exciting for the listeners. Anyways, we're going to cut it. Thank you all for joining. Tune in next time. Have a nice rest of your day.